welcome to the Field Log Podcast, weekly reflections for the Warrior King to help you master yourself, fulfill your purpose, and conquer the day. I'm your host, Marcian Sicario. Field Log Day 71 Master Your Tools Last weekend, one of my friends came up to visit me from a town a couple hours away. We hung out for the weekend. And one of the things he wanted to do, so he's an aspiring musician as well, and he wanted me to set up the music production software that I use on his new laptop, right? It's FL Studio. That's what I use. I've been using it for 10 years at this point, probably, and I, I know the tool relatively well. Well, he wanted me to you know, install it on his machine, take a look, make sure that everything is behaving properly because I would notice if something was off very quickly. Now, unfortunately, we didn't have any time to do that, right? We got wrapped up in other things. But it's a great segue into what we'll be talking about today. And the topic for today's field log, as you've already heard, is master your tools, mastering your tools, right? We're going to talk about what it means to master your tools, how to do it, why you should do it, and the usual field log kind of things. So the first thing I will say is that you often hear this saying that a tool is only as good as its wielder. And that is absolutely true, right? You could hand me like a gorgeous vintage, you know, tens of thousands of dollars Gibson guitar and I could play some solid riffs on it for sure. I'm I'm a, I'm a decent guitarist, I would say. But you could hand it to a guitar virtuoso. It's the exact same tool. And he would play it much, much better. Now, the interesting thing about this saying that the tool is only as good as its wielder is that it perfectly flows into this idea of mastering your tool, right? What is it that we mean when we say the wielder is good, right? What makes the other guitarist good or better compared to me in this scenario? Well, the reality is that he's mastered the guitar better than I have, right? So when we say the tool is only as good as its wielder, we're saying that As you begin to master your tool, the tool's full potential starts to express itself, right? And you see something very similar in, let's say, programming, where we all have access to the same programming languages, right? Let's say I'm writing something in JavaScript and someone else is writing something something in JavaScript. If I've mastered the language or the other person's mastered the language, then there's going to be very elegant ways to do certain things, right? To use, you know, built-in helper functions, for example, which is basically just a shortcut, if you will, for those of you who aren't programmers, which I'm sure is many. So as you begin to master your tool, you start to unlock its full potential. So the tool is only as good as its wielder can essentially be rephrased with the idea that um, the tool is only as good as the mastery that you have over the tool. That's essentially what we're after here. So whatever trade it is that you're in, right, whatever it is that you do for money, whatever you do for your craft, maybe, or or mind, you know, some of the seven commitments require certain tools to be used, right? Let's say you're even at the gym. If you don't exactly know how to work, the machines, and of course the Warrior King training protocol doesn't really prescribe any machine movements, but let's say you were doing machines. as like some sort of accessory, maybe. If you don't really know how to, to use it properly, then, you know, you're not going to be able to get as much mileage out of it as someone else who doesn't know how to use it. So you can start to see just that, just a very quick glance that the idea of mastering your tool is sort of essential to be able to do anything well. Now, the problem is that most people's level of mastery essentially comes down to, I've been doing this for a long time, I've been using it a lot, and I've found ways that work for me, right? You even see this with people who are professionals, right? You look at a professional musician, 
some of them have what, what are considered bad habits, right? You look at some of the greatest guitar players, maybe their hand position's bad, and you know, it's bad for your wrist, or maybe their picking technique isn't ideal, right? These kinds of things happen. So it's not like you can't succeed without mastering your tool completely, but I promise you that mastery is going to further increase your ability to succeed, right? This is all about the 1% improvements that are so central to the ideas in Atomic Habits, which is a book I bring up all the time, I know. One of the stories that the author tells in the very beginning is the story of the British cycling team. And one of the things they did, they, they used to be a really bad team, right? They just, they were awful. And they, I think they brought on a new coach or something like that. And basically started analyzing every little thing that these cyclists did, right? Like, what, what shorts are you wearing? Like, what's your bike seat like? Like, they, it even got to the level of where they brought in a surgeon to teach them how to wash their hands properly so that they would get sick less often. And all of these tiny little improvements added up to essentially lead the British cycling team to win, like, I think it was like something like four Tour de France's in six years or something. And you can read the full story in the book. You, I'm sure you can also look it up if you're curious. And I'll, I'll link the book in the show notes again so that you can have a quick reference. All of these little improvements led to the, the final success that the cycling team ended up having. And that's why one of the things in your toolkit as a warrior king should be actively building your mastery of your tools, right? You don't want to just say, oh, I'm a music producer and I'm, I'm working on things and then I'm going to pick up the knowledge as I go along. That's all great. And in a lot of ways, that can work really well for you. But there's something to be said for taking the time to like actually study your tool, right? So if I, for example, and I'm self-taught on FL Studio, obviously you don't really have classes for this kind of stuff. But over the decade that I've been doing it, I'll like look up things as I need them, right? And this is just a reference back to this idea of just in time versus just in case. We had a field log on that. Definitely go listen to that. It's, it's a very useful idea, especially in counteracting some of the things I might be saying today. That being said, that's, that's how I kind of built up my knowledge. But I'm sure that there's plenty of things that I'm doing that aren't ideal when I use FL Studio. So what I could do is I could go on Udemy, I could get an FL Studio course for 14 bucks, you know, like a complete course, 20, 30 hours, God knows how long, and find out all the little tricks that maybe I'm not using that would speed up my workflow, right? Help me produce music faster and that way make more music or spend more time on the same song because I'm not like, you know, fiddling with things that are not, that aren't the ideal way of doing something. So if you're in a position where you're, you know, pursuing something like maybe you're building a business or you're studying some sort of craft or you're in a trade, right? Like I have a really close friend who is a diesel mechanic and he has this massive toolbox that the toolbox alone has to be worth like a grand. And then the tools inside he's been collecting over the years that he's been a mechanic. And I would say the entire contents plus the box is probably somewhere between five and 10 grand. Like the things are very valuable. And the man knows his tools and he has a lot of them. And that helps him be a more effective mechanic. So whatever it is that you do for money right now, right? Whatever your, your, your main way of making money is your job, or maybe you run a business or something, or whatever your craft is maybe, or any other area of life, anything that's applicable that, that you feel like this resonates with, you can actually start to benefit and you know, reach a new level of, of performance if you go and master your tools. Right, And a lot of times, the, the mastery of the tool and the use of the tool are sort of very closely joined, and we don't necessarily see the need to do that. That's what I was saying earlier with the example of how I use FL Studio. Right, If you're learning like sword fighting, for example, if we go back to the, the famous saying, a tool is only as good as its wielder, 
the person wielding the sword is learning sword fighting, which is, it's, it's kind of a discipline in and of itself, but it's also really how to use the sword. But there is, there is some elements of mastering your tool that aren't necessarily sword fighting. For example, maintenance, right? Maybe you're a great sword fighter, but you're, you don't really know how to sharpen your own sword or something along those lines. So you can see that some of the things that revolve around mastery of the tool aren't going to be things that you pick up, especially if you don't have any sort of formal instruction. If you want to reach the highest level of performance in something, you know, like your, your job or your, your craft, whatever your chosen craft might be, going out of your way to actually master the tool, to learn about the tool, to understand it, is going to help you a lot. It's going to unlock some things that you might not have known originally that are going to ultimately take you further than you would have gone otherwise. Now, where does this land on the, you know, the, the hierarchy of priorities when learning something? I wouldn't say that it's like top three or anything, that's for sure. Right? You, you, learning the discipline and learning to use the tool in a way that's good enough for now, and then as you keep growing, you know, slowly starting to acquire more knowledge about your tool is a perfectly acceptable way to do it. But the reason we're talking about it today is I think a lot of people, and, and me included, obviously, and I'm, I'm giving examples of how I'm not following this rule, a lot of people don't think about what it means to master your tools, right? And your tools don't just have to be things that we you know, traditionally think of as tools, like a piece of software or a physical tool or something along those lines. You have a toolkit in like a sort of metaphorical sense in, in all areas of life, right? One of the things that we've talked about recently, especially in the, uh, in the episode on the leisure commitment, right? Commitment number six, leisure. And if you haven't listened to the seven commitment series, I would definitely recommend you do that, you know. But one of the things we talked about in the relationship episode is this book called The Like Switch. Again, I've been mentioning this book a lot. I found it really useful, really interesting, especially for somebody who has a history of, um, let's say, being abrasive, right? I, I have a history of, of being maybe a bit too aggressive and too arrogant and those kinds of things. And I've had to manually learn how to basically interact with people in a way that makes them feel good most of the time, right? Building rapport is essentially what we're talking about here. And that book, it gives you a toolkit of ways that you can make sure you're building rapport with somebody. For example, physical signs, right? You see some person, you make eye contact. What do you do? Well, 99 out of 100 people either do nothing, look away, or give a fake smile, and that's just about the worst thing you can do. In the book, the author talks about what you should do when you make eye contact with somebody to, you know, to set the stage for a positive relationship. You're trying to build rapport with somebody. You know, maybe it's an attractive girl that you saw, or maybe it's a new boss or something along those lines. There's physical things that you can do that are going to tell that person, hey, I'm a friend, right? And these are very deeply rooted psychological things that we do naturally, and especially likable people do this, but you can learn them explicitly. They're tools. So one of those things is the genuine smile. What's the difference? right? What's the difference between a fake smile and a real smile? Well, a fake smile doesn't reach your eyes, right? The corners of your mouth shoot up, your eyes stay unchanged. A real smile, the corners of your mouth shoot up and your eyes crinkle, right? You get a crow's feet. And that's because you're engaging different muscles when you're actually trying to smile versus when you're just naturally smiling. But you can learn how to affect a real smile when you make eye contact with somebody, right? Just generate feelings of goodwill towards that person, and that's going to help you give that person a real smile. Another tool he talks about is the eyebrow flash, right? This is just when you shoot your eyebrows up really quickly, like you're saying, hey, what's up? 
right? The eyebrow flash is a really, really strong friend signal. Let's people know I'm not a threat. I'm a friend. Let's talk, right? And I, after reading the book, I, I tried this out, right? I was at a, at a music event, I'm going to say two weeks ago. And while I was walking around the crowd, I would just scan the crowd, trying to make eye contact with people and basically trying to master that new tool. I would give people a smile, I'd give them an eyebrow flash, and I got a lot of positive responses. People would smile, they would nod, they'd come over, have a conversation, right? It was a costumed event, right? It was Shrek-themed, so I was, I was wearing a Puss in Boots outfit with, you know, the hat, and if you go on my Instagram, you can see one of those pictures, me and my buddy. And I practiced that tool, right? I was, I was trying to master it. One of the things that you have to know that knowledge unused is knowledge wasted, and we're going to have a field log on that eventually. I think it's further down the list, but I made a note when I heard that quote. I think it's very true. When you know something, when you have something, but you're not using it, it's useless to you. Right? I talk about practicality all the time, even though the center of the Warrior King field log is spiritual things, which we don't generally think of as practical. Of course, I disagree because I think worrying about the salvation of your soul is the most practical thing you can do. That being said, we talk about practicality all the time, right? And I stress this. Right? Even in this, something like the spiritual pursuit, now that we're talking about it, if you have a prayer practice and it's not leading you closer to God, that practice is useless to you. Or if you have your scriptures and you're not reading them, you're not using that tool. If you have a godfather and you're never talking to him or godmother, if you have a spiritual father and you're never going to him, then these resources, which I'm stretching the definition of tool a bit here, but these resources are useless to you. So when you learn new skills that you put into your little toolbox, right, and what I'm talking about here in context of the like switch, is your social toolbox. So one of the things we're going to talk about later on in this episode, of course, is identifying the tools that you need to work on. And you can already start asking yourself right now, like, what is it that I'm naturally bad at now that we're talking about, you know, behavioral tools? So these kinds of things you need to master too. Like you can literally be in the mirror, as crazy as this sounds, be in the mirror and practice your real smile and your eyebrow flash. And then, of course, the third technique he talks about is called the head tilt. If you tilt your head slightly to the side, you're exposing your carotid artery. That's a strong signal that, hey, I'm not a threat because I'm exposing something very important to you, right? Like a cut across the carotid is you'll bleed out in two minutes flat, I'm pretty sure. So all of these tools you can learn. And then, of course, the charisma myth, which I mentioned earlier, and I'm going to end up putting that in the show notes for you again as well, has a huge toolkit, right? She talks about things like how to have a good handshake. Practice that. Grab a buddy, practice your handshake. She talks about vocal inflections, right? A lot of people use what's called a, what is it called? Uptone, I think, or up pitch, up talk, something along those lines. I think it's up talk. And it's when you end every sentence with a question, right? Every sentence ends with the pitch going up. Very uncharismatic. What you should do is you keep your pitch either neutral or you pitch down. That's going to help you command attention when you're talking. So all of these tools, all of these behavioral tools for likability and charisma, and we're really getting into sort of the secret sauce here. These are tools you need to master too, right? They're going to have an immediate impact on your life. People who are more likable, right, get treated better. It's called the halo effect. When you have a good quality, then people ascribe to you other good qualities that you haven't even demonstrated yet. And usually when people say halo effect, they mean attractiveness, but it applies to other things too, right? If someone's really nice to you, just genuinely friendly and not a suck up, but right? genuinely friendly, you're going to be like, wow, that guy is, you know, he's, he's nice and he's cool and he's funny. You're going to ascribe all kinds of qualities to him. He's really smart, right? He says something, you're like, wow, that was so insightful, right? Everyone's experienced this. You say something, 
people don't notice. Someone else says the exact same thing. They're like, wow, great idea. So these tools are going to be immediately applicable to you. And then, of course, you have your physical tools and then you have other tools like in the gym, for example. People come to me with, you know, I hurt my back, my knee feels funny, my shoulder feels funny, my bench isn't going up. I have a toolkit. Okay, your knee hurts. First thing we're going to do, we're going to look at your squat form. We're going to look at your mobility restraints. And then we're going to toss in some mobility drills for your knee, for your hips, for your ankles. We're going to use maybe a voodoo floss band. We're going to do, it's a whole toolkit that I'm going to throw at the problem in order of like which ones are most likely to work, what's the most likely cause, and then we go from there. So using those tools over the years as I've been coaching and teaching people in the weight room has helped me start to master these tools. And I'm always trying to educate myself on this stuff. There's a YouTube channel I follow, and I'm going to actually link that in the show notes for you too. I really highly recommend you check it out. It's called Squat University. The guy is just about one of the most brilliant performance coaches I've ever seen talk in my life, right? I'm a huge fan of Kelly Starrett. This man is like Kelly Starrett on steroids. It's not literally, but he knows everything. It feels like he knows every single thing. He puts up videos regularly of this world-class athlete came into my gym. He's been having knee pain for six years. I went, I took him through a couple of drills for 45 minutes, had him squat, no pain. Every time. He does that every time. So I'm going to put that in the show notes for you. But these are the kinds of tools we're talking about, right? I don't want you to limit your thinking of this topic to just physical tools. We're talking behavioral tools. We're talking things like mobility, right? Mobilizing. We're talking, you know, my chest isn't growing. I got a couple of tools in my toolkit. I can increase the volume. I can increase the intensity on some days. I can increase frequency. I can use different movements, right? I have a toolkit of movements. If my bench is stuck, I can use band press. I can use chain press. I can use pause press, incline press. I can use dumbbell press. These are all tools, master them. Right now we've talked about a bunch of examples and we were sort of all over the place here, but I really hope that that's painted a picture for you. And we're going to get into learning in general, basically. So the first thing you need to do, obviously, as I alluded to earlier, you need to identify which tools need work. And that doesn't necessarily mean which tools aren't well mastered, right? You can have a tool that you barely know how to use, but it just really doesn't matter, right? Like, for example, Example I use all the time, wood carving. I like whittling. Am I like the best whittler? No, not at all. Uh, am I really good with the knife? Not really. Maybe my, I'm holding it weird, but I just do it for fun. It really doesn't matter how that carving turns out. It really doesn't. And they turn out fine. They turn out good. You know, I'm, I'm happy with them. So that's not what I mean when I say which tools need work. What I'm saying is I want you to reflect on what disciplines are you really focusing on right now and what tools do you have at your disposal in those disciplines? For example, you're in the gym. That's a big focus of yours right now. Let's say that's the case, right? And for a lot of men, that's usually the case. And maybe you're having grip problems on your deadlift. What are your tools? Well, you have straps, you have chalk, you have hook grip, right? Unless you're planning on competing in powerlifting or something, I would recommend straps and chalk, right? Hook grip hurts. It's only useful for competitions where you are not allowed to use straps, But I have a buddy, for example, who bought some deadlift straps because his deadlift was just shooting through the roof. I mean, he's going to deadlift more than me any day now. Uh, He's he's about 220 and a just complete genetic freak. And he's repping 500 already. It's a matter of time. I give it a month, maybe two. Well, he got some straps and I saw him use them and I said, you're using those wrong, right? Like he was looping them. Basically, he was putting the left one on the right hand, the right one on the left hand. So I showed him that the outside of your palm should line up with the strap. The strap should run along the outside of your palm. And you can look this up, right? And I can only describe it so well. 
And then you want to wrap in the other direction that your palm goes. So not wrapping along your palm, but wrapping under the bar so that when the bar basically wants to roll out of your hand, it rolls into the strap. And when it wants to roll out of the strap, it rolls into your hand. So that's a little tool that I helped him master. It's not much to it. It's just one thing. Same thing with chalk. How to use chalk, right? Some people will put on maybe not enough chalk. So you should really know like how much coverage you want. And maybe you have like the little baggy chalk. That's what I have. Or maybe you have the little chalk bricks and then you can just sort of draw on your hands. Your, your belt, your weightlifting belt, that's a tool you have, right? I'm not going to talk, talk through all of them. Uh, your weightlifting shoes, if you have Olympic lifting shoes, that's a tool you have. These are all tools you're using in the weight room, right? Maybe you have an app that tracks your, your reps, your sets, your rest periods. You should learn to master that app. You should get good at it. These are the kinds of things that you want to identify, right? Like go through the seven commitments. It's a useful framework for pretty much everything. It's useful here. What tools do I have in my spiritual life that I could master? Maybe a prayer rope or something, the scriptures, the Bible. What tools do I have in my stewardship, right? Like do I have a budgeting app that I use? I personally use an app called Good Budget. Highly recommend it. It's more manual, but I like that personally. I want to every time I spend money, open my phone, click on the app, manually log it. That keeps me accountable. What tools do I have in my body pursuits? And we just talked about this, you know, maybe something like cooking too. Maybe you're trying to meal prep, but cooking takes you forever. Maybe you should learn knife techniques. That's a real thing, right? Chefs have these like knife techniques of how they cut meats and and potatoes and whatever else. Maybe you need to master that to start saving some time there so you can cook faster. You're not tempted to eat out or skip meals. And you can do this for all of the commitments. Run down the list today, right? Make a note to do this. Think about the tools of your trade, the tools of your craft, the tools of your behavioral tools, right? Relationship tools, all of that. Even this podcast is a tool. How are you using the field log, right? We have a couple of guys and it's a very small number, but we have a couple of guys and I see this in my dashboard who listen every single day. There is a minimum number that every episode gets every day. So this is a tool for you. How are you using this tool? When I say pause this episode and pull out your notes app, are you actually pausing this episode and pulling out your notes app? Why do I say to do that? It's an implementation intention. We've talked about this before. It's an atomic habits. When you just write down a sentence of what, when, and where, you're way more likely to do something. They did a study where they had two groups of people, three groups of people. The first group of people was told to exercise like three times a week. That's it. The second group of people was told to exercise three times a week and they were given like a three-hour lecture on what are the benefits of exercise? Why should you do it? But the third group was told to exercise three times a week, was given the same talk as group two, and they were told, I want you to write down a sentence right now of when you'll do it and where you'll go. So something like, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, after I get out of work, I will come home, I will change into my workout clothes, I will go to the gym I will walk through the door, fob in, and I will do these four exercises, this many sets, this many reps. A detailed implementation intention. The first and second group had the same level of completion, right? The talk made no difference. But the third group, they had way higher completion. That's why I tell you to pause the episode and pull out your phone, pull out your notes app, pull out your calendar and make a note. That's why I tell you to do it. Because that's going to make it way more likely that you'll actually go through with something, think about something, then make an iteration, right? That's what we're always after, trying something new, iterating on something, and then actually get the better result, right? If you're just listening to this on your drive to work and you're doing all the same stuff, you haven't downloaded the Warrior King training protocol, you haven't, you know, done the 2023 goal setting guide, you have no goals for this year, you're just listening to this and you think you're turning yourself into a better man, you are not. 
You need to have key performance indicators. You need to track things. Basic list I would recommend to you. Spirituality is hard to track, but I would track something like maybe how often are you skipping morning and evening prayers? That's that's an easy one. I like to use that one. It helps me notice when I'm falling off. For For stewardship, track your earning, right? Track your annual money that you're bringing in. Track your salary. Track your net worth. For body, track your lifts, right? For craft, uh, whatever it is that you're doing, the KPIs are going to be different. For mind, same thing. For relationships, I like to track how much time am I spending socially every week. I'm a very busy guy. So my threshold is I try to get five hours a week of social time. That's very small. I know that, but that's all I can do right now. So if you're not doing that, if you're not growing, then none of this is having an effect. So this is a tool that you're using. Use it well, right? Think about all the tools in your life today. Actually do it this time. If you haven't been doing it, make an implementation intention. Run through the seven commitments real quick. It'll take you less than five minutes. Identify a couple of tools in each one of them and ask yourself, have I mastered this? Should I? You do that, you'll be way better at things that you're already good at and you'll get way better at things that maybe you're not so good at yet. Your performance as a whole across the board is going to improve and you'll be a more effective man. That's it for this week's Field Log. If you like what you heard today, you can follow this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on right now. You can also rate the show. That always helps out a lot. You can find me on Instagram, threads, and TikTok at marcian.cx for field log snippets, art, philosophy, and training-related content. You can also visit the website at marcian.cx for much more of the same. I'm still working on consolidating the Warrior King content into the marcian.cx project. So check back at the website soon for the new and improved Warrior King training protocol, which is going to include supersets and my updated supplement recommendations. There's also a 2024 goal-setting guide on the way, and of course, the Warrior King newsletter. If any of that sounds appealing to you, the links to everything are in the show notes below. It's all free, and as always, conquer the day.